Good morning. Good morning, folks. It's great to be here. I'm Gary. I'm one of the ministers, and I've been off for a couple of Sundays. I haven't been here for a couple of Sundays, and uh, it's just wonderful to be back again, and I hope you've had a good half-term. I know some people are still uh, off enjoying half-term, but uh, it's great to see you all here this morning. Great to be back, and great to have our folks online joining us as well. So we're continuing uh, this morning in our journey through Acts, uh, the book of Acts, seeing how God uh, came by His Spirit, His Word, started His church, uh, and looking at the relevance of that book for us uh, as we continue to journey, and He builds His church across the world, the relevance for us here at Orangefield uh, today. So we're, we're, we've come to chapter 10 uh, today, and we see something amazing happening in this, in this chapter, and it really only struck me as I read it and read it and prayed over it and started to prepare that this actually is one of the, the pivotal moments in the history of the church and the history of the world. You see, up until here in Acts 2, we saw the Holy Spirit coming on the Jews. And then in Acts 8, we've seen the Holy Spirit coming on uh, the Samaritans. And here in Acts 10, we see the Holy Spirit coming to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, to the, to the you and me's of this world. And the Holy Spirit comes on the Gentiles, and the floodgates are opened, and God starts to build His church right across all the nations, and everything is changed forever. That happens here in Acts 10. And so as I was reading it, and I'm reading it, and I was thinking, okay, Lord, what verses do you want me to read? Where do you want me to stop? And He was like, we're in Acts 10. Just read Acts 10. And so it's a little bit longer than we, we might be normally used with. But guys, as I say, it's a, it's a story. It has a beginning and an end. It's a wonderful story. It's a pivotal story. I'm sure we won't mind reading a few minutes of God's Word here at Orangefield, a few minutes more perhaps than we normally do this morning. So let's turn to Acts chapter 10. Uh, if we've few Bibles there. Uh, it's on page 1103. If you would like to, to take a pew Bible, 1103, or open your own Bible or your appliance or however you're reading God's Word. And let's come and let's, let's pray as we come to His Word now this morning. Father God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your Holy Spirit with us to illuminate it and to teach us and to help us to understand it, to have it applied to our hearts and minds and lives. Lord, we thank You for this wonderful story. We thank You for this chain of events that are captured here that actually leads to us being here this morning, worshiping you. So Lord, we ask that you would speak, speak for your servants are listening, teach us from your word, guide us and lead us, encourage, inspire, and challenge us. For we pray in Jesus' name, in the power of the Spirit, and for your glory. Amen. 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 So folks, the, the, the setting uh, mentions two places. Uh, it mentions Caesarea. Uh, Caesarea is about 40 miles northwest of Jerusalem. Uh, it's named after Caesar, one of the Roman uh, emperors. Uh, and, and, and it mentions Joppa. Uh, Joppa is also called Jaffa. Uh, and it's, um, it's 20 mi 35 miles north of Caesarea. So that, that's the setting uh, there you can go today and you can visit Caesarea, you can visit Joppa. Uh, I've had the privilege of being in both places uh, myself. So it's not a once upon a time in a land far away. This is real, this is historic, this is rooted in these two places and it's relevant for us in this place 
today as God continues to build his church. So let's read from Acts chapter 10. It tells us, as recorded by Dr. Luke, it says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened. And something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, replied Peter. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back up to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped by the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence, but Peter made him get up. Made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with with or visit a Gentile. But God, God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. 
So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask, why have you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest at the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach the gospel and to testify that he is the one whom God has appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured on even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. <clears throat> you see, it was the Roman soldiers who had crucified Jesus. And now we have this Roman soldier sending for Peter. Come, come and tell me all about this Jesus. And Peter, who wouldn't even associate with the Gentiles, who wouldn't speak with the Gentiles, with the non-Jews, here he is now baptizing the Gentiles into the church, into the family. You see, the gospel starts, out, starts to go out beyond the Jews and the Samaritans, and everything will be changed forever. And we, sitting here this morning, are evidence of that. So how does it happen? How does it happen, and what can we learn from this story this morning? Well, firstly, we see, we see that God initiates. God initiates. You see, he's on a mission building his church. 
He's on a mission building his church. He always takes the initiative, you see, right from in the beginning, God. It's always God who takes the initiative. And he's active here in the lives of these people. In fact, he's active more perhaps in the lives of the people around us than we even care to believe. Here he is active in the life of Cornelius the seeker and in the life of Peter, the one with the answer. You see, both needed help and both needed to change. Cornelius is seeking to know God, but without Christ, he cannot. And Peter, Peter, he can share Christ, but without a change of heart, he will not. You see, God's hand was all over this. This was a divine appointment we see here. God prepared them both, even though they were many miles apart, and he brought them together. Do you know, God is still bringing people together. Divine appointments for the cause of the kingdom. And many of us could share a divine appointment of a time when God connected us with someone else for a, an opportunity to either share the gospel if they are not yet believers, or for a time of encouragement and sharing together as believers in the Lord. Let me just share briefly one story from my own experience that happened recently. <clears throat> During the summer, I was, I was uh, on annual leave, and I was up uh, over in Galway, and I, was, I found myself in a little, a little town there in, in Galway called Clifton. Uh, some of you may have been, I, I'm not sure, but I was in a little town there called Clifton. I'd never been there before, and I was there with my mom, my sister, and my niece. And uh, the ladies in my life are wonderful, and uh, we, we got on really well together, and we had done a few things together. We were there for three days. We, we'd done a few things together. But on the Thursday afternoon, uh, the, the three ladies, they set off to go uh, visit the shops, and I set off to go visit the churches. They should do this horses for courses. <laughs> and, uh, but of course, the best pilgrimage uh, always starts uh, with a coffee in a coffee shop, right? I need to get some fuel in before I go on my little pilgrimage. So I went into a little coffee shop there, and it's called The Nine Pins. Other coffee shops are available in Clifton. Um, it's called The Nine Pins, after the nine mountains around the, the, the town. And uh, I, I, I went into the coffee shop. It's really small. It's only about half the size of our cafe, just a few tables. And I was sitting there in a corner on my own. I had just finished my slice of lemon drizzle cake and was enjoying my flat white when this man came over to me, a man I'd never met, never seen at all in my life, and... and he said to me in a Northern Irish accent, he said, are you Gary? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, yes. And he said to me, are you Gary Ball? Now, back in the day, you would have perhaps reluctant, been reluctant about disclosing your identity. But I thought those days are gone. Yes. Yes. And uh, then he said to me, well, would you mind joining us over here for a moment or two, Gary? Uh, and I said, certainly, okay. And he brought me over to a table and he sat me down and he said, I'm Jim and this is my wife, Vivian. And he said, we emigrated. We emigrated from Castlereagh over 40 years ago. But during lockdown, when we couldn't get to the services in our church in Johannesburg in South Africa, we started tuning in to Orangefield services online. And he said, we're back in Ireland for two weeks. 
And last Sunday, we were up in Orangefield at the service. Because we wanted to go and we wanted to thank the folks at Orangefield and we wanted to thank Gareth and we wanted to thank you for your ministry. So we saw the folks and we thanked Gareth and we said, can we speak to Gary, please? And Gareth said, no, I'm afraid not. Gary's off and he's away on holiday. He's away to New Horizon, which I was initially away to New Horizon. You'll not get speaking to Gary. And they said, and we were a bit disappointed because we were looking forward to just catching up with you and thanking you and speaking to you. And here we are, now sitting at the same table in a little cafe in the west coast of Ireland, having a chat with you. And we were just like, and when I caught up with the girls again, I was like, what do you hear what happened to me this afternoon? <laughs> we just sat there for about an hour and enjoyed God smiling on us. We shared together, we encouraged one another, we prayed together. And that was a divine appointment. Hi, Jim and Vivian, if you're watching this morning. <laughs> we love you. God bless all the folks who watch online. We love you, and thank you for joining us. God bless you. And thank you to our wonderful tech team who make this ministry happen. But are we, are we open to divine appointments? Are we open and watching out for divine appointments, for God's hand and the people that the arrangements that are made, the meetings we have, the appointments we have with, with people who are not believers and people who are believers, people God brings our way. So back to Cornelius and Peter and their divine appointment. You see, Cornelius is betrayed as devout and he's portrayed as devout and God-fearing and he's a generous man. He gives to the poor and to the needy, all very noble and very highly commendable, but he was still not right with God. You see, religion couldn't save him. Morality couldn't save him. His charitable works couldn't save him. All of these things, good as they are, we can have them and still be lost. You see, our sin needs to be dealt with, and only Jesus can do that. That's why Cornelius sends for Peter. Cornelius is seeking God. And the Bible tells us that those who seek him will surely find him. Paul writes that he is not far from any one of us. You see, folks, God is not playing hide and seek. Honestly, he's not. No, he wants to reveal himself and his will and his ways and his gift of salvation to us. That's what this whole book is about. That's what it's all about. So we see that God took the initiative and he connected Cornelius and Peter and the Lord was working to prepare Peter's heart. He must overcome this prejudice. Peter must overcome this prejudice that he has against the Gentiles. And he must get to a place where he is willing to even share the, the good news with the Gentiles and embrace them into the church under his Messiah. And that's what this vision is about. Here God showed Peter a vision of unclean animals and commanded him to kill and eat. You see, the Jewish laws forbid the, the eating of unclean animals specified in Leviticus 11. These laws were given for the, the Jewish people as they, as they lived in the wilderness and they were to do with hygiene. But Peter protested, protested. He said, surely not, Lord. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Then the voice said, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. 
And of course, this reference to anything unclean, that covers the unclean, non-Jewish people, the Gentiles that, that Peter's thinking about and that he would later need to be speaking to. When Peter considered the unclean in his mind, the Gentiles, the, the you and me's of this world, the Lord says, I will make them clean. I will make them clean. But God knew that Peter's heart would have to change before he would be willing to engage with and include the unclean in his ministry and mission. No small miracle, so he shows him the vision three times. You see, John Stott, in his book, The Message of Acts, John Stott writes, he says, the principal subject of this chapter is not so much the conversion of Cornelius as the conversion of Peter. Peter responds to God's work in his heart. How do we need to respond to God's work in our hearts to reach those who are different to us? Peter responds to God's work in his heart, and then Cornelius' men arrived at his house. Peter doesn't have the, everything down pat. He doesn't understand it all, but he's prepared to go. God's hand is over it all in Peter's life and Cornelius' life. Note how he dovetails things together. He's speaking to Cornelius up in Caesarea, and at the same time, he's speaking to Peter down in Joppa. He brings them both together for the sake of the gospel. God initiates. He initiates divine appointments, but more than that, folks, he initiates our very salvation. He initiated the creation in the beginning, God. He initiated our salvation. Remember, he came from heaven to earth. And as we've just been singing, mercy won the battle, grace came rushing in. The love of God sought us out. See his initiative. The love of God sought us out and brought us back to him. And as we'll sing in a moment, in the darkness we were waiting. We were helpless, without hope, without light. Till from heaven, what? You came running. Till from heaven, you came running. There was mercy in your eyes. Seeking us, saving us, and sustaining us, he does it all. That's the good news of the gospel. God always takes the initiative. God makes a divine appointment between people, but he also makes divine appointments between people and himself. And there is no one who is beyond him, and there is nowhere where he will not go to reach us. And even right now, by the power of his Holy Spirit, moving in this place, by the power of his living word speaking to us, he's longing to meet with us, longing to meet with you, Longing that we might give him our yes, as both Cornelius and Peter did in their own ways. So God takes the initiative. Secondly, God instructs. God, he speaks through his word, vision, and messenger. You see, God instructed Cornelius through his heavenly messenger, the angel, and then through his earthly messenger, Peter. And he instructed Peter through his vision and his voice, his word. God instructs, he speaks and guides, and as he speaks and guides, leading us into all that he has for us, then we need to be listening up. We need to be obedient. And notice in both cases, when God speaks to them, it was during times of prayer. During times of prayer. Verse 9, Peter was praying on the roof of the house. Verse 30, Cornelius was praying in his house. 
Folks, we can pray anywhere. You can pray in your house or on your house, but if you're going to pray on your house, just be careful up there. (laughs) But we can pray anywhere, and it was in a time of prayer that God met with them. They'd taken time out to pray. They made room to connect with God, and God connected with them. They made space to hear from God, and God spoke to them. And and we see God speaking and guiding clearly in the book of Acts. And perhaps if if we're not getting that clear guidance, perhaps we're not taking the time to set time aside to pray and to listen to God. Peter was listening and Peter was teachable. His understanding of God's salvation plan, it was not complete. He was learning every day as a school day. He was willing to think through and eventually embrace God's heart for the salvation of all sorts of people. Cornelius was listening and he was teachable as well. He was open, open to God and what God said. He was in fact so passionate about hearing the truth that he had invited all his friends and neighbors into the house as well to hear. But not something he wants to keep to himself. Someone once told me, Gary, to be a disciple of Jesus, we must be fat. And I thought, oh, well, I'm well qualified for that. No problem there. But then they explained to me what fat stands for. Faithful available and teachable. Faithful, available, and teachable. You see, God is actively working and God is constantly speaking. Are we willing to be faithful, available, and teachable? So God initiates, God instructs, and thirdly, finally, and more briefly for this morning, God includes. God includes. You see, it seems to me that part of what Jesus calls the good news Part of the good news is that God is a God who goes out of his way to include people in his kingdom and in his mission, in what he's doing. He's inclusive in his invitation to come to him, and this is something that Peter has to to grasp. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And verse 43, he says, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. You see, God accepts people from every nation who trust in Jesus. The whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God invites and welcomes the whosoevers. Whosoever will believe in him will receive that wonderful gift of eternal life, life in all its fullness, life everlasting. And we see from John's vision and revelation that heaven is made up of people from every tribe and tongue and nation and language. Last week I I was on annual leave and I attended the International 24-7 prayer gathering. It was here in Belfast in assembly buildings. I was off, the gathering was here. Well, it would be just, it would be rude not to go. So I went along and there were about a thousand people there from every continent, from all over the world. And you know, in wonderful, beautiful unity, we glorified and enjoyed the Lord together. And they taught us to sing in English and in Spanish and in Zulu. I've forgotten what that was, so don't ask me what that is right now again, okay? But the thing is, we learned one another's languages. We learn to worship together. 
the church represented by many tribes and tongues and nations and languages. And it was a little glimpse of heaven right in the center of Belfast. And it was beautiful. It was an inspiration. It was a challenge. It was a blessing to those who were there. To be reminded that we are part of such a wonderful, beautiful, colorful, diverse, worldwide church family. I love it. So God's invitation to come to him for life in all its fullness. Life in Christ goes out to everyone who accepts and his forgiveness goes out to people from every nation. All the whosoevers who believe. God is inclusive in his invitation to salvation. He's also inclusive in his invitation to involvement in his mission. Peter, speaking of the church, he says, we are witnesses of everything Jesus did. In verse 39. And then commanding Peter in verse 20, get up and go. God is sending them to go and share the good news of the gospel of grace. And one thing that struck me, I think it's interesting here that God sent an angel, a heavenly messenger, initially to Cornelius. But the Lord didn't use the angel to share the gospel. He didn't use the angel to share the gospel. No, he gave Peter the earthly messenger. He gave Peter the privilege of doing that. And so it is with us as well. You see, the Lord could draw people to himself by sending angels, and sometimes he does. But mostly, mostly, he sends you and me. He sends us. What a privilege. What a privilege. And, and then we see his desire to have converts included and involved, not just in some sort of personal Lone Ranger style evangelism, but also in the ordered and organized life of the local church. In verse 48, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. You see, here we are starting to see church sacraments and order and community coming into play, belonging together. Here is the church fulfilling the Great Commission, baptizing and teaching, and people responding and being added to the local community, being gathered in, belonging in the church family together. And I suppose this is where I want to start and, and land this sermon this morning. You see, the 28 chapters of the book of Acts are about God moving by His Spirit and His Word to start to build His church among all the nations. He continues that work today. There is a sense in which He is currently, even as we speak, He is currently writing Acts chapter 29. He's building His church. That's why Jesus came. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, verse 25, he said, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You see, that's why Jesus died. That's what Jesus died for. That's what he rose again for. And that, brothers and sisters, is what he's coming back again for. His church, us. Now, everyone is welcome here at Orangefield. We always say and we welcome, we invite, we welcome. Everyone is welcome here at Orangefield. Be part of the family. But the whosoevers of this world who respond to God's call, his invitation, and come to Christ, we will want to know what it looks like to be committed to him and his church. 
And if you're not already a full, a full communicant member of the church, our new communicants classes, and Lucy has already mentioned them, our new communicants classes give us a, an opportunity to, have, in a very informal way, just explore what that is, what that looks like. Our next classes start this Thursday evening. Maybe you've grown up around the church, or maybe you've come to faith more recently, perhaps through an Alpha course or, or some other way. And you would like now at this stage to, to take that next step of faith and profess your faith publicly in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God of the Bible. Or maybe you've kind of drifted away from God a wee bit for a season. But he's drawing you back again. He hasn't, he hasn't moved. He hasn't let go. And maybe now's the time to, for you to recommit again to him as he is committed to you. Or maybe you, you're transferring from another congregation and you'd like to find out more about church life around Orangefield. But let me invite you to come along, if any of these apply to you, or any other reason that you might like to come along, to come along and explore. We always call it an exploration because if you get to the end of the four weeks and you think, it's not for me, that's okay. But if on the other hand you think, maybe it is for me, then you will be welcomed as a full communicant member here at our Advent communion service on the 9th of December. If you'd like more information about that, please, uh, or to register, please speak with myself or Gareth or, or Kyla in the office. So just as I finish, just as I finish, this morning here in Acts 10, and let me encourage you perhaps to read it again at some stage this afternoon or when you have a chance. But this morning here in Acts 10, in this pivotal passage of Scripture, in this crucial moment in history, we see Peter and the church changing their posture to connect the not-yet-believers with the unchanging message of the gospel of Christ, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see the very first Gentile convert and the gospel began to go out to all the nations in the power of the Spirit, just as Jesus had said. We get a little glimpse into the nature of God and how he works. He takes the initiative, he instructs, and he includes. So in response to such wonderful grace and truth, let us be faithful, available, teachable. Let us serve as he would lead us and all as he continues on his mission to build his church in the power of the Spirit, for His glory, and in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Shall we pray together for a moment? Let us pray. God's Spirit is with us. He is speaking to us from His Word. This is a divine appointment for you, for me. He meets with us and speaks with us in different ways. So let's take a moment in the silence and in his presence, in our own hearts, to respond in whatever way we need to respond this morning. Father God, we thank you for your presence with us by your spirit and your word. We thank you for who you are. 
and for how you work with us. We thank you that you always take the initiative, creating us, redeeming us, sustaining us. We thank you that we get the privilege to join you on your mission as you build your church. We thank you that you instruct, that you speak, that you speak to us through your word and by visions, by messengers through whom you speak. Lord, we thank you that the gospel is good news that you bring to us. Good news for the world in a world that really needs to hear some good news. Thank you that in Jesus' death and resurrection we can have forgiveness of sins. Thank you that by his resurrection we can have life. Life in all its fullness, life eternal as we trust in him. And thank you that as surely as he died and rose again and reigns in heaven, ascended, he is returning. Returning for his church to take us into the fullness of all his glory and grace forever. Lord, we thank you that you include, that you include us in your invitation to salvation. You include us in your invitation to involvement in your church and mission. So, Lord, this morning we give you our yes. We give you our yes. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your love and your truth. And help us to know of your presence, of your heart for us and with us as you continue to build your church in this and every land. For we pray these things for your glory, in the power of your spirit, and in Jesus' precious name. Amen, amen, amen.